To the MA Roadshow episode number 199. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee could not make the trip up here to ice cold New York, so instead we brought in uh, two very fine gentlemen to help out. It's gonna feel like we're in Europe, man. This is this is gonna sound a little weird. I promise you, we are in New York. We have not traveled all the way to Europe, but Shamakar Sandu is here, formerly a contributor for MMA Junkie, friend of the Roadshow, of course, frequent guest, and now working for ESPN. What's going on, brother? I'm very well. And yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because, uh, yeah, there is uh, myself, a proud Londoner, and uh, you're going to introduce somebody else from England, but we don't live in England anymore. That's the funny thing, isn't it? We're, we're both North Americans, so to speak. I like it. I like it. Well, you handed it there. Oscar Willis from TheMacLife.com. Hello, hello. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. It's like you said, a little bit cold, but... Yeah, the, the European invasion has begun. I was about to say, not for you jolly old Englanders, right? This, no, is, no. this is okay. Listen, yeah. my Indian DNA was not made for any type of cold <laughs> whatsoever. Well, we are here uh, in Manhattan, I should say. Not Brooklyn, even though the card's in Brooklyn. We're here at the Host Hotel, the downtown Marriott. Uh, it's not my I, – I, I've said it before. I don't like Manhattan that much. I, I'm more of a Brooklyn guy. The vibe, I like it a little bit better. But I will say this um, – not that there's a ton of stuff as far as like restaurants and stuff like that around us, but I mean the World Trade Center is, you know, just literally right outside our door. And mm-hmm. um, I wish I had more time to go to the memorial and stuff. Obviously, for uh, not that you guys weren't aware of what happened there, but for Americans especially, it's a pretty powerful site. And uh, um, the memorial, I'm sure you guys have probably seen it before. Mm-hmm. They did pretty, pretty special stuff. And I wish I had more time to go experience it. So I will say, even though I don't love Manhattan, it is a, a pretty cool little piece of real estate that we're on right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I always find it fun coming to New York, whatever part of uh, New York we're in, whether it's Brooklyn, whether it's you know downtown, uptown, Manhattan. I actually was able to get in um, last Friday. Uh, I got a family here in New York um, that I typically like to stay with and, and enjoy their company. I don't see them that often. Um, and uh, listen, man, you know New York is one of those kind of places in the world. Good food, good people, lots of you know uh, entertainment. You know, you know, you know, really kind of raucous. You know vibes here and there um, and uh, something always seems to happen this is a place of big events and big moments and we've got a big one coming up in a couple of days I think something like that has already happened Oscar Willis as he made his way in earlier today uh, just to tell you about the kind of wild raucous things that can happen in New York um, walked in on a dude getting a massage yeah um, to be clear that's not a euphemism it was a, it was actually a massage I just uh there's a door open. I assumed it was this room. It wasn't. I walked in and there's a lovely young lady and a guy sort of just lying on a bed under a towel. And uh, <laughs> what a sight. Just, just that sort of awkward moment as you lock eyes and then slowly back out of the room and close the door. I don't know who that's worse for, like you, who like feels incredibly awkward, or like the dude that was laying there, you know, naked, yeah. safe for towel. Yeah, vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily he didn't get up and chase me. Otherwise, it could have been awkward for all involved. But <laughs> great way to start the night. Well, of course, we are here for UFC on ESPN plus one. Zahudo versus Dillashaw. Uh, this is the start of a new era, right? I mean, this is the kickoff of of the UFC partnership with ESPN. Um, I said, dude, let's start with you. I mean, uh, being a part of the organization, um, tell us about it. I mean, what's what's what are you, what's it like from your point of view? I mean, I, I know it's not like you've been there for you know twenty years and have been begging for this day, but I mean, just Give us an idea of, of what the, I guess, activity level is like, what the excitement level is like, because I will say, 
granted, we're only, you know, I guess a couple weeks into the official deal or whatever, but from what I'm seeing, I mean, the amount of content that's being put out, the amount of resources that's being committed, granted, I know this is the kickoff, but it seems pretty encouraging, like this is going to be a, a fruitful partnership. 100%. I was in Bristol, Connecticut on Monday um, for some meetings and every department, TV, production, social media, dot com, um, you know, there's resources now allocated to help staff up. You know, there's lots of good people working uh, there um, with lots of responsibility. Um, everyone's got their kind of KPIs, what we're kind of all out to set to deliver, um, both from um, a, a partnership with the UFC, but, uh, but also from a, a journalism, you know, integrity side of things as well. And, you know, it's, it's kind of strange because my own personal journey at ESPN started almost two years ago. That's when they first reached out to me. And back then, there was no broadcast partnership on the horizon. Um, and even when I joined and when some others joined, this wasn't official. The, right. the, the ink hadn't dried on, on, on the paperwork, so to speak. So it has all kind of happened really, really fast. And it's so surreal that just a few days ago, danced up you know you know that's right he had his byline on his very first espn.com uh piece and so he's kind of joined the team um you know on a freelance contribution um type of deal um but i, I think even though uh, this has been months in the making there are still a lot of moving parts you know i think i think what's going to happen is what the team looks like, what the output looks like now versus six months from now will be night and day. Everyone's, you know, there's a lot of people, their first day was on Monday of this week. Right. Right. And so it's going to take time for them to gonna get their reps in. But everyone's super excited, man. Like just the vibe on, on, on Monday, just being there in Bristol with all the different department heads, you know, people that don't work in Bristol day in, day out. Yeah. Right. Um, that have flown in from different parts of the country or, you know, for myself coming in from Toronto. Um, it's, it, it, there's a, there's a, there's a really big kind of, kind of, um, positive energy around. Everyone's really excited about the future. Um, Again, aside from you know the, the 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 partnership obligations that some members of the the staff may have direct to the UFC, but just to be uh, you know able to cover the UFC um, um, and the sport because there is a knock-on effect. You know, a lot of folks have been hired not just to cover the UFC; it's MMA. And, and an example of that, because I'm kind of working with the social media team, for example. Seven years ago, when the UFC Fox deal kicked off. The UFC, uh, the, the Fox launched an Instagram account. It was UFC on Fox. Right. They launched a YouTube channel. It was UFC on Fox. They launched a Twitter account. It was UFC on Fox. If you look at all of the ESPN handles, it's ESPN MMA. So I've heard I've heard from multiple people behind the scenes that list, there's a push that yes, hey, we're 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 we're, we're tied to the UFC and we're going to cover the UFC, but we're not going to do it at the expense of not covering Bellator anymore, or not covering the PFL, or not covering. Whatever, and I think that's admirable. Now we'll see if that ruffles any feathers, and if that, if that stays. I mean, there could be some pushback from the UFC, but I've heard from from multiple people, you know, behind the scenes that yeah, look, there's a, there's a real push from the editorial side, especially to say, hey, we we want to cover the sport. Well, look, I can only speak for myself in my role. I have not been given any mandate that I need to cover the UFC exclusively, or I can't cover um, any other promotions. And in fact, I think I know we're only what two and a half weeks into the year, but I think the bulk of my content thus far, uh, from the dot com side at least, anyway, has been on Bellator. <laughs> I've had a Paul Daly piece, a John Kavanagh piece. Uh, you know, I've got some other things in the pipeline. So you know, look, you know, I think um, f f the hardcore community that know some of the figures especially on the media side um, I think if they've been following a lot of us for, for quite some 
some time, you know, they'll be able to suss out who's kind of, you know, towing the party line, so to speak, and who's uh, kind of staying true to themselves. Yeah. Uh, but look, that all aside, man, it's just it's just super, super exciting to be a part of this uh, situation. I'm excited. I mean, Oscar, you've been uh, in the States a little bit longer than Sandu has. You're just kind of kind of resettling now. Three, four months. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you guys get I mean, you guys traveled a lot, too. I mean, I, I think what I'm excited about is just – the association with the brand. Like ESPN, 100%. to me, that's like just one of those default channels where you're like, I don't know what I'm watching right now. Let me just throw on ESPN for some background noise. And I think to see UFC fighters, like, to me, it's not even about, hey, yeah, the events are going to be on ESPN. Of course, that's good, you know. It's not even, to me, necessarily about just, hey, the big knockouts are going to be on, on the top ten. They've, they've done that already, right? Now, granted, they'll probably be a little more invested than they would. Right. But to me, just like this week, like seeing Cejudo make the rounds and, and, and just seeing multiple personalities, you know, Dana all over the place. And, he, of course, he's done some things before. But I just think we're going to see more. That, to me, I think is where the real benefit comes from. It's just we're going to get these athletes. And it's funny because you and I were talking earlier during the press conference today. I mean, this sport, yeah, we all love the sport. and It's, it's great. But it's not, it's not all about just technique and action and, 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 and the fights themselves. It's about – the people and, and the journeys and the stories and I think those things are going to start getting told and, and it's just going to be in front of more eyeballs and and I think to me that's where the, the real benefit comes. Yeah, to combine what both of you said, you can feel a real palpable excitement from everyone. From Dana White when he talks about ESPN, you can hear in his voice like we've been we've been waiting for this one and they've got it and even down to the media guys, especially for us Europeans, we probably don't know as much but talking to the Americans, you can feel like, like John, you just said, like the brand association it's just like okay it's big time now and then going off of what you just said about stories being told for the last couple of years if you're hearing about mma on espn it's probably because of conor mcgregor or ronda rousey or maybe brock lesnar that's true and now as they have to put investment into the sport finally we're going to hear the stories of people that they like, even yeah. like Harry Ka- Cejudo, Ka- TJ Dillashaw, Cowboy Cerrone, Cowboy like Cerrone. These, these hardcore legends that have been in the trenches for years haven't had the mainstream success as the rouseys or the mcgregors it's cool to know that, like, over the course of the year and then beyond that, like, slowly but surely, these guys are going to be maybe not icons yeah. of American culture, but they're going to become household names. That's a pretty cool feeling. I agree, man. I just I think the exposure is going to help a lot. I think as people yeah. get to know the athletes, I mean, we get it. That's one of the reasons we love the sport is the people we cover, right? I mean, such intriguing characters. I think that's going to be the benefit. Now, the scary part, of course, is a lot of the content is going to be behind a paywall. Now, that's not out of the that's not out of the normal. You know, Bellator's on the zone right now. I mean, that's that's the trending way of the future. I get it. But it is it is a little scary right now. Should say I think mostly that's domestic cuz for for international folks, for instance, I mean, it's even in Canada, you know, just just a couple miles to the north, uh, not much changes, right? A lot of their content stays on TSN and then the re- the rest of it is on Fight Pass. You know, America, the United States is the only place that's really going to have to deal with this ESPN Plus thing. Now, ESPN Plus is cheap, man. Four ninety nine for a month. Like, come on, man. That's that's yeah. that's dirt cheap. So I don't I don't see anybody having a problem with the cost. I can't like I can't see anybody working on their monthly budget and going, man, do I yeah. <laughs> do I still have enough to pull the trigger on this ESPN Plus? I mean, four ninety nine. Come yeah. on, man. So I don't think that's a problem. But obviously, it's just you got to get somebody to sign up. You know, you got to have. I mean. I know a lot of it's built into new TVs and stuff like that now, but you might need an Apple TV. You might need a, a Roku or a Fire Stick or whatever. So, so you might need a piece of equipment to get it done. And then, of course, you do got to go in and give your credit card information and all that. So there are steps that have to be made. Not that it's a bad thing, but it is just one more step, right, versus just happening to being on the channel. And I did have one other thing point out to me, and it was a person on Twitter actually that hit me up. And I, I'll be honest with you, and I wish I had their name in front of me because I hadn't even thought about it. And then I reached out and found out that they were absolutely true. Um, 
there is no commercial component of ESPN Plus right now. So, like, the ESPN Plus side of this event can't be shown in a bar. Now, I can't imagine, knowing that there is no commercial component in place, I can't imagine enforcement would be very high. Like, I can't imagine, you know, some, you know, the way, like, the, the pay-per-view providers go after people. I can't imagine them, you know, suing a Buffalo Wild Wings because <laughs> they were streaming fights on ESPN Plus when there's no other way to watch it. So I can't imagine that happening. But it is interesting to note that, you know, of this fight card that we've got this weekend, the main event, the title fight, can't be shown in a Buffalo Wild Wings. It can't be shown in a bar because that's technically illegal. Technically, ESPN Plus is for residential only. Now, I was told that they're working behind the scenes and they're trying to make that work. So, I mean, I do think this deal is overall positive, but it is, it is a little scary, right? I mean, this much MMA going behind a paywall, does it does it scare you a little bit? And again, I know that's mostly just us suckers here in the United States, but it is a, a little challenging. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, I mean, I think we're all growing up in a generation. I mean, most eighteen to thirty-five year olds, they're growing up in a, in a in an age where it's pretty normal to have OTT subscriptions to Netflix, to Amazon Prime. That's true. Uh, you know, you pay for what you like, and if you like MMA, you like combat sports. That aside, if you just like some of the other stuff that got going on behind that paywall, some of the the soccer and some of the the, the thirty for thirty. Oh, the thirty for thirty. It's worth it for four nine exactly. alone just for the thirty for thirty. Exactly. Um, you know. You're gonna you're gonna do it. You're gonna you're gonna put down four ninety nine. What is that? A cup of coffee yeah. at Starbucks yeah. or whatever, right? It's not it's not that expensive. Uh, but I do know again, just kind of you know, being around everybody over the last you know couple of weeks, couple of months, uh, but especially this week more so now that you know the the official kickoffs coming around the corner. Education is a big big point at the moment from every department of ESPN. Letting people know how they can subscribe, how they can log on, what platforms, what devices, because everyone's kind of like, oh, True. people just, you know, they, they get uncomfortable when the the normal kind of, you know, routine gets disrupted. Um, so, you know, I and think... And it is simple, man. You can pull it up on your computer. You can pull it yeah. up on your phone. Right. I mean, you can pull it up anywhere. So you are right for a connected... I mean, I'm 40, I'm, you know, and, and, I, and I finally did cut the cord, you know, so I'm finally... I'm, I'm over the top on everything now. Um, and it's not a big deal, but as you said, it's just, I should have I should have cut the cord like two years ago or whatever, or right. maybe more. But it was basically with Bellator and the UFC both moving to OTT. I was like, well, hell, I might as well just get everything that way. You know what I mean? So it's just it's just change. And they've got top rank boxing, and they've got so many other events going on there behind that paywall. And and also just kind of going back to what you said earlier on. Now you know, granted from. You know, Toronto and Canada. Yes, everything's on TSN, uh, and I don't get ESPN north of the border. But I've been here uh, here in New York for over a week now, and I've been doing the same thing like you, John. Just kind of watching ESPN in the background while I'm working away, and it's awesome. Just like ev- <laughs> almost every hour or every other hour on every single kind of show, I every talking something. head show, if they're not talking about this fight, they've got a guest on, whether it's TJ, Henry, Dana, uh, Brett, Ariel, someone's doing something, right? And if that's going to become the norm, which I think it is, that's going to be pretty cool because ESPN, I think, is an 80 million homes. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder... Um, you know, obviously this is on ESPN Plus one, but I look forward to that Ngannou versus Velasquez event on big ESPN. And yeah. I think back to Junior DeSantos versus Velasquez and how many millions of views that did. And obviously there's no world title fight, but I'm excited with 80 million potential viewers. I'm excited to see how big we can get here. That's going to be massive. All right, let's address uh, the card now. As far as it goes, and we were kind of lamenting a little bit earlier, I will say website traffic hasn't been amazing. I mean... I think in our heads, this was a, a massive fight, right? I mean, this is the first part of this new generation. It is the only 
USC event in January too, so I think that helps us kind of yeah, like build right. up. But as far as fan reaction, and I, and I actually I was just thinking to myself, you know, I didn't think to check on ticket sales. I, I haven't even bought. I was I was so focused on this new partnership and the new the new broadcast. I haven't even seen how the ticket sales are doing. But I um, should say, I mean, I guess you know the press conference that we had today, not a rather sparse turnout. I mean, this is it's just at the end of the day, this is. Basically, and, and, and I will always qualify with this, it is hard to get quote-unquote buzz in a city like New York. I mean, like when you're in New York or Mexico City or Los Angeles or Rio de Janeiro and you're like, well, how's the buzz on the ground? you be like, this is a massive city, yeah. dude. Like, do you know how many things are – like, do you know how many events are probably happening yeah. on Saturday night in New York? So I always try to qualify that and say, listen, it's hard to get a, a buzz buzz going. But I don't know. You know, I've heard people kind of – kind of uh, – chirp on this card a little bit and say oh man this card I don't know if it's I don't know if it lives up to uh, I like this card and I'll and I say I think it, what is confusing people about the quality of it is the construction of it the fact that you know you have four quality fights on quote-unquote prelims but they're there for a reason right I mean they're on they're on ESPN proper that everybody gets to try to drive people to ESPN plus so I mean who doesn't love Cejudo Dillashaw? Like, I mean, I can't imagine any fan of the sport that's like, ah, I'm not really interested in that. I mean, this is two champions. It's becoming a little bit more personal as the days go by. That's a great fight. Greg Hardy, I mean, there's listen, there's yeah. interest. You know, whether yeah. people want to admit it or not, I mean, he moves the needle, so to speak. But then when you look, like, if, if, if Cowboy and Alexander Hernandez, who are the main event of the prelims, if they were the co-main of the card, that would look good. Join Calderwood, Arian Lipsky, I mean, that's going to be a fun fight. I mean – Grant, this is not a pay-per-view. I'm not saying that, but I think the the people that are saying this card isn't really living up to the expectations. Maybe it's it's just because of the way it's laid out and the way it's arranged. I think it's kind of an unfair assessment. I think I think you probably there's something to that. I also think that we're looking at this first ESPN card like, oh, they've booked the names that you know visually appeal to the mainstream. So Paige Van Zandt's on here, Greg Hardy's on here. You know these right. mainstream appeal names. Like, yeah, I didn't even mention Paige and, yeah, and Rachel. Yeah. I mean, if if Sage Northcutt was still around, he'd be on this card. No you know, question th- about th- it. No sort, question yeah, about it. But I think the problem is this card is designed for the mainstream media, but it's actually on ESPN Plus One. So it's actually the hardcores who are probably going to watch this one if, yeah. as the rest slowly get educated to get it. So it's like they've picked all these mainstream stars that the hardcores like, the hardcores aren't super hot on Paige, really. It's and true. They're not really great on Greg either, you know, because they're really in the, the sport and they love it. So they see these guys handpicked by the what they perceive as promotional favoritism. And I wonder if that's not something to do with it too. And then... You know, as for Cejudo Dillashaw, yes, it's an amazing fight, but I think with that, I'm getting the sense that maybe people aren't ready to be like, that's a great fight, until okay. both of them are on the scales. All right, great point. Okay, let's get into that, because I will say this. Um, I, I love this fight. I, I do consider this a super fight. I mean, this is two legitimate champions, two, you know, not nobody that, you know, cherry-picked their way into a title fight or anything like that. I mean, these two legitimate champions, they're close in weight. Um, it's, in, it's intriguing that TJ Dillashaw is going down in weight. Um, I mean, I, I love everything about this fight, and we can talk about all that in a second, but the thing I wanted to ask was all the mention of Demetrius Johnson that came up today in the press conference, and it's funny because the whole Demetrius Johnson era of the UFC, I never bought into the fact, you just couldn't convince me that it was, like, his fault, you know? I, like, I, I, I believe, I do believe that most people are like, those dudes are tiny, because I've heard people say it. I've heard casual fans say it, like, why do I care? I could kick that guy's ass myself. 
wrongly, of course, but they, that's what they say, you know. And, and I get, you know, they they look tiny next to the referee if 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 you know Mark Goddard or Big John McCarthy, you know right. what I mean? Like I get all that. So I never really bought into the fact that it was just Demetrius and he's boring or whatever. Because I mean, he's a f- we all agree, man, phenomenal mixed martial artist, like one of the best to ever do it. But I will say, the first fight that he's not involved in might be the most excited I am for a flyweight title fight. And now I wonder if was I wrong all along? Like, I mean, was it all on Demetrius's shoulders? So to counter that, would you be as excited, if not more excited, if it was TJ versus DJ? Yeah. Yes, I would. And You're that's right. the thing, right? You're right. You're right. It's the it's the bantamweight champion coming down to become a two weight champion. That's a good point, right? That's a great point. And I think that's that was the the kind of uh, the not the asterisk. I don't, I don't want to use that word at all. I think when you look at Demetrius Johnson's you know career and his reign as champion, he just demolished everybody, and there wasn't another elite level fighter that you could actually genuinely buy into. Right. Wow, this guy is going to give DJ a run for his money. Yeah. And if TJ DJ happened, we would have been debating about who's going to win because that would have been an That's amazing a good fight. Point. Right? And I always heard behind the scenes, basically, and I don't think anybody ever really went, went on record with it. And if I if I miss it, I'm sorry. That basically DJ's camp did not want this fight. Like they, they, you know, that was the whole two million thing. It's like you know, you ask for a price that nobody's going to give you. Right. You're not turning down a fight, but y- you kind of are. You know, and I'm not questioning DJ. He's great. He's phenomenal. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to make it sound like that. And I think, to be honest with you, I think it might have been more the people around him than necessarily even him. You know, I, I think he was just like, just make sure I get what I'm worth or right. whatever. But um, I don't know, man. It's intriguing. I, I hate – I mean, good for Demetrius in one. I think he's going to be happy over there. I think they're going to promote him in a different way. I mean, he didn't like trash talking. He didn't right. like – you know, he was so disinterested in that stuff. And, I mean, the theater of fighting is part of the game, as we were kind of talking about on the bus today on the way back. I mean, part of the part of it is his showmanship, and, and that wasn't him. So I don't lament DJ for leaving. I think he's going to be happy, but um, I, I like this new reality. I, I do. I, I like this. Um, you made a great point, Oscar. I think maybe people were hesitant because they thought it wasn't going to happen. I do think it's going to happen. Same. Knock on wood, we're hours from the weigh-in <laughs> right now. I don't want to wake up in the morning and find out we screwed something up. Uh, but, I, I mean, I do think uh, TJ is going to make it. I do think the question is how good he is on fight night. I mean, he's he's steadfast in the fact that he's going to be great. He's taking the scientific approach. He's going to be phenomenal. But to me, I do think the entire fight comes down to whether or not he's 100%. If, if I knew I was getting 100% TJ Dillashaw, I'd, I'd, I'd pick him. Yeah. I would. No, that's no disrespect to Henry Cejudo. I just think TJ is phenomenal. Um, but I ended up picking Cejudo in my picks because I, I kind of don't. I don't think we're necessarily going to see a, a, a 100% deal show. Well, when we were at the PI a couple of weeks ago, we saw Joey Benavidez there. We, I asked him, um, I think we both asked him, if all everything being equal, whose skills trumps whose skills? And he said, TJ Dillashaw's skills are better than Cejudo's. But how much of it is the whole question is, how much is he sacrificing of himself right. to get down to 125? Now, before this week started, I thought, I think he's going to you know, looks skeletal. He's going to basically be slurring his words. And actually, he's looked anything but. I mean, his open workout was impressive. It was. Regard- even if he, it was like he wasn't cutting weight. Worked out longer than anybody. Worked out longer than anyone else. I, knowing how competitive, I wonder if there wasn't an element to that. Like, I'm going to do a full workout here for these people. I mean, he did, he didn't do rounds. He just did 10 minutes straight on pads. Yeah. It's good, impressive stuff. And then, even today at the press conference, yes, he's looking a bit gaunt, but he's very, you know, well-spoken. He's, yeah. He seems completely in it. Doesn't seem low energy. Yeah, I mean, then the question is, is that because he's doing it wrong? And actually, tonight he's going to hit a brick wall and go, oh, you know, now he's in trouble. But I, if my concerns have been, like, alleviated a lot. Like, he just seems like someone who's dialed in, who knows he's going to do it. 
in comparison to like someone like Donald Cerrone, who just is like, yeah, having a bad time here. <laughs> looks like it. Looks like it. You know, the clothes are baggy on him. He looks like he's a bit dizzy. Just like that, no energy. You know, there's some, and he, even I mean, even Cejudo looks like to, yes at the open workouts he looked completely fine, and right. then today I was like, oh, there it is. There's the weight cut. You know, then suddenly he's starting to look a bit frail too. So I think. As far as I'm concerned, I do think the fight's going to happen. I do think they'll both make 125, but I, I do like it's not like Cejudo's had like a brilliant history of 125. I don't, sure. I don't know if, if what TJ is saying is true, it, they could be sacrificing about the equivalent of each other, and therefore on the night it will come down to skill versus skill. Do you guys think it was uh, the weight cut that uh, caused Cejudo to do that ridiculous snake thing today? <laughs> When he exposed his snake. <laughs> oh my! God. I mean, listen, it created a great headline on MMA Junkie because uh, Simon Samano, kudos to him for bringing the headline of Sahuda uh, whips out his snake in front of Dillashaw. Like, love it, love it. <laughs> Luckily, we had uh, DJ Pear from Sweden over there to take a beautiful picture of uh, Mr. Sahuda <laughs> grasping onto After the extension. shaft of his snake. Uh, but uh, <laughs> now, listen, I mean, it, I mean, it was kind of poor. It, we talked about the theater of fighting. That go. one kind of fell flat, right? That was, it, that was, was like it just a, me. There was that was that poor theater. That was like grade four theater. <laughs> I think I think we reached a point at the press conference where I think it might have been you, John. Maybe you were asking about someone's jacket or no? Was it Alex's jumper? Yeah. And uh, Dana White was like, right, if we're getting to this portion of the press conference where we're getting asked about you know what people are wearing, I think we should wrap things up here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but look, Sahuda was wearing this kind of flashy gold jacket. He's he looked, going for it. He's some trying. of the things that I saw online where he looks like a game show host, where he looks like a, 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 a high school teacher in the 70s. And, you know... Um, the snake thing. All right. See, I, I appreciate that. It, see, the smacking the snake on the stage. Yeah. That was okay. I was okay with that. You know, he's trying to kill the snake. I, the, the, you know, we're going back to the the Conor McGregor yeah, 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 reference yeah. of the snake in the grass, right? Yeah, yeah. So I like all that. I like all that. The pro, the failure was that you had the snake in a plastic bag. Yeah. And the <laughs> plastic bag, I'm 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 assuming got delivered from Ali to uh, UFC security. UFC security brought it on stage. Handed it to Dana, and, yeah. and Dana's like, "What is what is this about?" And they're like, "Give it to Cejudo." And then you know they he gives it to Henry, and then Henry like shakes it a little bit, like, "Oh, it's moving!" Like well, what he was snatches in there? it out of Dana's yeah, hand, like it was alive. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, you know, it's just the the, the the plan was there. The plan was there. I I, I appreciate the effort. It just yeah. the actually, I don't think they. Had, I, I'm guessing they didn't do a dress rehearsal on that. I'm guessing they probably. I think not. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is look the snake aside, right? The the bizarre gold jacket aside, what I would have loved to have seen Sahuda just completely so, uh, focus his efforts on. If it was just going to be one prop, focus on that gold medal. Right. Yeah. That's money. That's me saying I'm already a champ, champ. Yeah. Right. And just kind of you know hone in on that. Uh, but everything else is a little bit kind of bizarre. Um, but that all you know, aside. Uh, we spoke about this a little bit earlier. I genuinely feel like today, in my opinion, for me personally, was the most genuine Henry Cejudo we've ever had. You know, I mean, he literally put Dana White on the spot and broke kind of the fourth wall, was kind of speaking to Dana directly yep. in front of us and said, hey, at one point in time, you said that women would never fight in the UFC. It's a great case. And then you brought on board Ronda Rousey and here we are. And he basically said, let's do a deal yeah. right now. 
if I win, the flyweight division remains. And then Dana gave his whole, you know, we'll see what happens. I was going to say, so are we all in agreement that flyweight's gone? It's gone. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that, I mean <laughs> if there was any indication yeah. that it's dead and buried, yeah. it was Dana White's response to Henry Cejudo's kind of almost like hands on his knees plea based on a gamble of if he wins or not. It's interesting yeah. because, you know, so then later I actually brought up uh, uh, about uh, Amanda Nunes, or maybe it was before, brought up about Amanda Nunes, you know, saying that she doesn't want to go to 145 anymore. And we know that. I mean, that's not – that's nowhere near the division flyweight is, and no right. disrespect. I mean, but there's nobody really there. There's there's two people really there, Cyborg and Megan Anderson, the only real featherweights. And Dana wouldn't even rule out them doing that fight again. And now, granted, it would be a – I mean, I do agree that Amanda Nunes, Cyborg 2 would be a huge fight, man. Yeah. I mean, that, that fight was massive. So I do agree it's probably more uh, financially worth it to them uh, than any fight you could make at flyweight. But I, I do get the idea that – not that they're committed to, like, on Saturday night, you know, Dana's going to go, hey – just want to congratulate the winner tonight. You're the final UFC flyweight <laughs> champ. You know what I mean? Like, I do believe there's probably going to be some one-offs and some fights, but it, it just doesn't sound like they want to have the division as a as a whole, like as a as a you know taking up spots on every card, basically on on everyone. And you know, again, I think I've mentioned this before on 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 here is that you know I have been told behind the scenes that. Nobody has given the word. Like, there's no order among the UFC staff that, hey, guys, FYI, man, this is the this is the date we're killing it. But but they are releasing people. They aren't signing any new flyweights, right. you know. So I I think they just I don't know let it let it continue to play out. But but don't make it a priority. Like I don't think they're I don't think we're gonna get an announcement basically that oh by the way division's done. Yeah, they're just gonna let it. Just, just gonna let it scenario. One of the ways they could and I guess if Dillashaw wins, that helps them a lot. <laughs> well, <of course. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. well, another kind of potential. Hey, Dillashaw, you tell us again when you want to defend at twenty four. Hey, <laughs> flyweight division isn't gone. No, no, hey, flyweight division for, isn't gone. You want to go? For we dinner? still got it. TJ Dillashaw's the champion. TJ, you just tell us when you're ready to fight at twenty five again. Well, I'll tell you what. One other way they could potentially get to that spot of kind of just almost you know dismantling the division and burying it is hey listen if Cejudo wins yeah I'm sure he wants to go up to 135 and fight for Dillashaw's Bantamweight Championship right maybe as part of the negotiations would be hey listen we're gonna give you the shot. And don't you ever mention flyweight again? <laughs> don't you bring a snake to the stage? Don't you, don't you wear that gold jacket ever again? Yeah. I don't want to hear about 125 ever again. You get the shot. You yeah. get the shot. But we're gonna you, dissolve that division. I don't as, want as you to say you saw a fly in the air. I don't want to <laughs> and you leave that belt yeah. at home. Okay, that doesn't exist anymore. But yeah, man, it's gone. You know, the writing's on the wall. Uh, whether it takes a month or six months or the remainder of the, of this year for it to actually, you know, be dead and buried and gone forever, it's only a matter of time. I think this, yeah. the 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 time is ticking on that one. I agree. All right, it's going to be a great fight. I'm I'm interested. I can't wait for it. Uh, it it's got it's got meaning. I mean, it's two legitimate champions. It's it's incredible. Uh, let's talk now about the two guys that, to me, definitely stole the show today and might have stolen the entire week. And that is Alexander Hernandez and Cowboy Cerrone. I'm sure most people saw this, but for anybody that missed it, I took the press conference. I cut out all the the, the Cejudo, the Dillashaw, the Dana. I just boiled it down to the essential elements. Alexander Hernandez, Cowboy Cerrone. Hear it for the first time if you haven't. Get a reminder if you didn't. And then we'll talk about these guys because I thought this was fantastic. Alex, has it hit you yet that you're going to be the uh, headline in the, uh, the prelims on Big ESPN? Man, that's kind of crazy. Man, it's everything it's supposed to be, you know. Um... First, grateful to Cowboy for taking the fight, maybe against his better judgment. And uh, with that being said, though, you know, I'm not drawn in by the, the promotion, the city, even his image or uh, persona of anything. 
uh, it's just another day. And, and to me, standing across from Cowboy, I'm looking, I'm looking through the fighter, I'm looking at the man, and, and I think the persona and everything is just a big distraction. I just see myself facing an insecure little lad swinging on a saddle with a pop gun and a feather in his hat. How's the, the wake up been? Obviously no Bud Light or Budweiser this uh, this week, but uh, how's it been dropping back down to 155? Oh, it sucks. Every part about it sucks. Sitting here wishing I could go walk the streets of New York and eat pizza. But I'm going to make it happen, you know? And, uh, yeah, a little insecure popping cattle fucking whatever. That's good. I can't wait for Saturday, man. I'm excited. Uh, static. Static about Saturday. Static, yeah. But listen, my little friend, um, I'm not one to sit there and talk. So if you got like big things to say, we're fighting on Saturday and keep it professional. We just stood in the back, you didn't have much to say. So if you if you do you have much to say either, partner. And I'll tell you this, little friend, I'll be sending your geriatric ass fucking yeehawing back to the stables on Saturday. I know I understand you're talking live and Saturday's coming so let's fight for money on Saturday but I'm Saturday not the guy coming. to sit here and talk shit to you because I know what floor you're on they fucked up and put me in the wrong room I'm right next to you you little motherfucker so if you have something to say you can knock on my door okay we're not on the same floor yeah. I'm in a different suite for one and for two you're all buddy buddy in the back it's calling how healthy and nice I do look fucking healthy I look great you look like you served the last two terms in the fucking Oval Office you look worn out you look aged and withered can't wait for the fight. Uh, you've been, this is your 40th UFC WBC fight. You've kind of seen, done it all at this point. Um, does Alex's words over there, some bold confidence words, how, how do they affect you at this point? No, they don't affect me at all. When I left 155, I was ranked number two. That means I beat everybody up there except for the champion. So for me to come back and for him to say he's going to steamroll me, he says, I'm a stepping stone, bitch. I'm a motherfucking boulder in your way. I fought the who's who. And you are a jester in the way. You're an active participant. You're concerned with entertaining people. I'm on the, I'm on the road to the throne. I'm concerned with kingship. Inside You're a jester. When I finish you, I you don't belong across from me as much as you found belong across from you. You're a stepping stone. Uh, Alex, just to follow up on that, you keep saying he's an active participant. What does that really mean to you? Because, you know, Donald has made no secrets over the years that he was fighting for money and all those kind of things. But now he's more straight up about his goals. He wants to fight for the lightweight title and everything seems to have, you know, that. On your 40th fight, if it took you that long to figure out what your goals are and that you're meant to be a champion, you're about 39 too fucking late. For me, I've known why I'm in this. I know why. I know my purpose. I know my mission. And I'm 100% committed to one thing. Unlike old day drinking Don over there who's got mixed mission and a number of extracurricular activities to hide from the greatest fear in his life, which is in front of him, I focus on one thing and one thing only. I know I'm going to be a champion. He's number two. He's always been number two. I'm going to be number one. But Donald, this is your first weight cut in some time to, uh, to lightweight. You've been wanting to move down for a while. You said that they kept offering you fights at 170. Now that you're actually going through the weight cut, do you have any regrets about this decision? No, not at all. I uh, hired a private chef to live in my house and cook for me and Got our weight down, and it's always it always sucks these last 10 pounds, man. They're miserable. I can't even sit here and bullshit, so it is what it is, but I can't wait for Saturday. And finally for Alex, I think that when you made your professional debut that Donald had uh, 26 fights under his belt. I mean, he's been around for a long time. Um, you're coming in here, guns a-blazing. Uh, do you have respect for Donald and his accomplishments? 
Yeah, sure. I respect Donald, and it was cool seeing him come up and everything, but there's a difference between watching a man on the screen and watching him stand across from you, and there will be none of that respect upheld. I won't respect his space. I won't respect the air he's breathing, and I'm going to press and break him in the octagon. It's a completely different world now. Everything's changed. Donald, when you got uh, the fight against Alex, had you ever heard of him before? No, I have not. Have, have you watched any of before since? Uh, no, I haven't. I don't remember. care. Just I'm excited to get in there and fight, man. This is, uh, this is my road back to the title, and uh, little fucker just in the way. And where did you train for this fight? At the ranch. Okay. But not with Jackson Wink? No, no longer with them. Okay. Alex, what do you make of him saying that he has never heard of you before? Makes no difference. I wouldn't expect him. You know what? He went from, you know, proposing the fight against uh, fucking McGregor and so-and-so, and then he went to me. And, yeah, I'd be thinking, who the fuck is this kid, too? I'm sure everybody's asking that. Who the fuck am I? And on Saturday, I'll put all that curiosity to rest. But I don't blame him for thinking that. Just quickly for Cowboy, I, I want to ask you, I mean, you, you said you wanted the Connor fight. I mean, massive, big money fight, right? And this was the fifth name you got. Um, I mean, the stakes for Alex are clear to beat a guy like you. You beating him, I, I don't know what it does for your career. So what was the motivation when you said, yeah, I'll fight the guy? The motivation was to go in there and fight. That's what I love to do, man. Fucking love fighting. Wouldn't be here if I didn't. So I'm going to get through Alex. I'm going to call it a top five opponent and uh, go get that belt. Hey, Scott, boy, just quickly, if I could, for Alex, uh, we talked about Henry's gold jacket there. Can we talk about your sweater there? It seems like a pretty intricate design. Is this, uh, there's some messages on there? It's a pretty gangster-ass Brooklyn sweater is what it is. All right, gentlemen, Cowboy, obviously, I'm... I'm 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 a ride or die with Cowboy. Can't I, I got to roll with him? But I gotta say, Alexander Hernandez to me, I've I've loved everything that this guy has done so far. But to me, I mean, he's still got to step in the cage. But this was a breakout moment, right? As far as awareness and 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 confidence and and you know maybe it's only the hardcores right now. But this, I mean, this could, we could look back and be like, this is the guy. This this is the moment this guy became a star, right? I mean. I, I, you guys got to be sitting in the same place, right? 100%. And uh, we spoke about this yesterday when we were working here in the hotel, right? Outside of the main event, in this new UFC on ESPN Plus era, what is the slot that you want? If you're a manager, a coach, and yeah, you've yeah. got your fighters, what slot do you want? You want that prelim, that quote-unquote prelim slot which is headlining and closing the show on Linear TV ESPN. Listen, absolutely. There's no question about it. I mean, when people when people saw this card and I saw people questioning, why is this fight on the prelims? Come on, guys. Calm down. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, they're trying to push their product, and what better fight? Even before all these fireworks started, we knew this was going to be an all-action fight. So what better fight to push their product? But, yeah, I mean, no disrespect to the ESPN Plus, a growing platform, but there is – 100% guarantee <laughs> more eyeballs will see this fight on ESPN regular versus any fight on ESPN+. Plus. And what you've got there is you've got a known marquee name and a commodity in Cowboy Cerrone that who you know is going to turn up. He's an action fighter. Everybody knows him. You know, um, yeah, a lot of fighters, I think you mentioned this earlier on today, John, you know, you know, trash talk, so to speak. Cerrone's not like that. Right. 
but everyone knows him because he wears a cowboy hat right. and he kind of has the cowboy boots and that whole kind of uh, you know outfit going on for him and then on the other side of the coin you've got this young hungry perhaps future of the sport in Alex Hernandez who is intelligent he's fast on the trigger quick witted and nothing that came out of his mouth today seemed to me uh, to appear as if anything was super scripted or anything he was literally just you know feeding off what was given to him from what Cerrone was saying to him and the questions that were being asked by the journalists and some of the lines he came up with were unbelievable we talked about earlier but I I gotta say it to everybody. Two classics to me today were Day Drinking Dawn. I love that. <laughs> and, and by the way, I'm okay if you want to call me Day Drinking John. I'm cool oh, yeah. with that. So it's not really an insult, but I did like it. Day Drinking Dawn. Uh, but the other one was the moment where, you know, Cowboy's like, hey, yeah, I am. I'm going after that title run. And Alex just chirps back. He's like, man, 40 fights, you know, and it took you this many. He's like, that's about 39, too fucking many to figure out what your goal was. I'm here to do this. I mean, yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, that to me, yeah, maybe he had said it to somebody in practice before. He had talked to his coach or his manager or whatever. I mean, I think very little of this stuff is is truly off the cuff, which is why the who the fuck is that guy is, is overplayed yeah. as it is was so classic because that was 1 million percent <laughs> off the cuff. Sure. I mean, I'm sure most of the stuff we see at press conferences has been said in some conversation with somebody at some point. That's fine. But, yes – this guy just – he's wired different, man. He's a different kind of cat. And, uh, man, I love Cowboy. And Cowboy has – you know, I mean, he has bad nights. You know what I mean? But he has great nights. And he is a test. And I don't think Alexander is overlooking him. Uh, but Alexander, I think, has a real chance to win this fight and make a real statement. Oh, me too. And uh, it, we've spoken about it all week. It's sort of – you wonder why at this point Cerrone continues to find himself in fights like these. Like, you think, you know, he fought Darren Till, who was a – like – a lesser-named prospect who made a name off Cerrone. Then you got Leon Edwards who did the same thing. And it looks like, you know, Alex is right here ready to do the same thing, even acknowledges that he's like, yep, that's what I'm here. I'm going to take his name value and put it on mine on this big platform as well. He couldn't do it at a better time. But the one thing I did love about as great as Hernandez was with his insults today, I loved Cerrone. You know, Cerrone could have laughed it off, like, ha-ha, this young whippersnapper, but he didn't. He just got real quiet gritted his teeth and just sort of looked at him and was like, you know, I know where you sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah, like, which I think, I think I said to you at, at the moment, you said, I was like, wow, that, that weight cut's that making him fun. hungrier, huh? That, may, that You know, because welterweight, Cerrone is just here to have a good time. Come on, let's give the fans a show. But he looked, he looked pissed. He looked, it was I good. will say you're right because, uh, I mean, Cowboy doesn't trash talk. I mean, that's right. He, he, that's not really his thing. But you're right. I've seen him in the past just kind of like, okay, Junior, whatever, you know. And he did that a little, but it was more intense, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? And, and you know, I, I, so he, so I like that. It's intensity without – he has to be careful. I mean, he, that Nate the, – the fight with Nate Diaz when Nate Diaz knocked the hat off and then Cowboy didn't fight his fight. I mean, he'll even tell you that's the day I learned my lesson. I don't fight good angry. So he tries to keep himself from getting angry, which is why he doesn't get involved in this. But I love that that line about – you know, they put us on the wrong floor. Funny side story. Uh, so Jason House is uh, is Alexander Hernandez's manager, and we've been talking to him earlier. Alexander is actually not staying here at the hotel. They they got an Airbnb. Apparently, that's just kind of his routine. He, he doesn't like to be at the fighter hotel. He likes to kind of get away, have like his little camp. You know, just just him, no distractions. But Jason was like, I think I'm going to use. He's I, I'm I was going to use the room. He, he told us earlier. He's like, I think I'm going to use the room. You know, like on night their weight cut and everything. And I'll be close to the hotel. So I texted him after. I was like, You might not want to stay in that room. Right? <laughs> 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 I'm just going to recommend now, man. You might want to stick to the Airbnb because Cowboys coming to get you in the middle of the night. But maybe Cowboys demeanor today 
it was in part for two reasons. Number one, he is coming cutting back to lightweight, yeah. so he might just be you know a little bit moody, a little, little extra sure. surly, exactly. Uh, and it may just be the fact that maybe he is super dialed in now. Maybe he's thinking, you know what, I don't have too much time left in this sport, and I do want to go after that title. So maybe he is going to take things a little bit more seriously. Whether it be a veteran, a peer, or a young whippersnapper. He's going to be taking this fight super, super seriously. I'll tell you what, man. I, you know, I'm not a big uh, wagering guy. I mean, I don't bet on fights. I've always said, not that I'm opposed to it. And, and technically, it's not illegal for any of us to do it. I just always feel like it clouds my judgment for when sure. I have money on a fight and how I'm looking at it. So I don't, I don't pay attention to the lines that much. But I did pull him up now that we're talking about Alexander Hernandez is minus 190. I didn't realize he was the favorite. And not, wow, that, that's really? a, not that that's a huge favorite, but it's not a pick em either. Uh, so that's that's impressive. He's already starting to get some respect, man. I uh, – it's a big moment, and and you know, I, I I like the idea of Cowboy potentially fighting Conor McGregor, man. Yeah, I, I do sure. like that idea. I like the build up. I like the stylistic fight. I like everything about it. And this is a dangerous fight. And, and God bless Cowboy, because that's I mean that's one of the reasons people love him, right? He really is that anybody, anytime, anywhere. But man, to face this this young up and comer, man, it's a risky fight. It is, man. But I, I one thing I thought about Cerrone is in his last fight when he said he saw his son. You know, and he said, that's the moment it all became clear. I saw him in his little cowboy boots. I, I got overwhelmed. He was like, right, today's the day. No one's taking this from me. And as Sandy was just saying, you know, if he's now starting to dial in and focus in, maybe we've been looking at this cutback to lightweight wrong. Mm. Maybe to help him stay focused, he needs to be the discipline that he needs to have right. to get back down there. Maybe that's Fair the point. way to keep him focused so he can't go goofing off. And no more cave, di- cave diving maybe as well. <laughs> but, like, you know, Just want to kind of uh, throw in some breaking news into this. Okay, uh, here we go press conference back and forth between Cowboy Cerrone and Alexander Hernandez. So uh, Mike Bond of MMA Junkie just posted this, and this is a comment on the MMA Junkie Instagram account from one Mike Perry, (laughs) (laughs) who who, who commented and said, Hope at Cowboy Cerrone. So Hope Donald Cerrone shows the young lad it's a long road of learning in this martial arts lifestyle. One win or one loss is one picogram into the painful path of greatness. <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike Perry, the God modern Mahatma Gandhi. Man. Jesus. The amazing <laughs> Platinum Mike. What a gift he is Philosopher to us Philosopher Platinum. That's phenomenal. That is a great fight. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, props to the UFC for the way they set up media all this week, treating that essentially as the yeah. co-main event. That was a smart play. And as, as we all said, I mean, dude, I, I think the – you know, I think this is going to be. You could not have put a better fight there in this feature slot on ESPN, and now to get that added heat behind it, no doubt, it's incredible. All right, let's talk about uh, what is, I guess, technically the co-main, and that is Alan Crowder versus Greg Hardy. Um, man, it's such an interesting spot because the uh, the discussion around Greg Hardy, it's it's. I I, I don't know that it's ever going to stop, but I mean, it certainly came to a head this week, and uh, the UFC very clearly did not do themselves any favors by putting this fight on the same card as Rachel Ostovich, who, of course, is going, you know, recently had the domestic violence situation. There's no way around it. I mean, I, I will say this. Knowing the UFC the way that, that, that I know them and I've seen them operate, I would not be surprised if the fight got booked and nobody realized it. Just like, oh, shit. Like, mm. we, you know what I mean? Uh, the fight makes sense in a lot of ways. I mean, look – Greg was going to get to the UFC at some point. I, mean, I think that was very clear. I mean, at the heavyweight division, you don't need to go 20 and 0 or 15 and 0 or even, you know, 8 or 10 and 0 before you get to to that. And of course, you add in that name value. His numbers, I, and I know people say they're disgusted by him, but I've talked to some people behind the scenes uh, and and I've seen some data. 
his numbers on Fight Pass are insane. I mean, like, off the charts insane. So whether people want to admit it or not, uh, he's – he 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 moves he moves the needle and draws eyeballs. I actually have uh, I'm gonna some something out of a, a theory out of nowhere, but I was thinking this today. I believe that whenever Greg Hardy fought in the UFC, whenever it was gonna happen, he was gonna get this much backlash from the media. I agree. He, he was gonna get this much scrutiny. I actually wonder if having him on the same card as Rachel in this situation hasn't actually done them a favor in that it's compounded the issue so much that everyone's focused on it so much that next time. It's almost going to be hard to talk about it because that's all they've spoken about this time. You know how much how much bad taste it was to do it, and right. it was in bad taste. Let's be clear. But I think maybe it's it's almost been spoken about so much that it's like the next time he fights, it's going to be hard to treat it as big an issue as it has now. You well, know, it's like they've ripped the bandaid off. See, I do I do wonder about that, right? Because I was at both of his contender series fights. I talked to him before both of the fights. I talked to him after both of the fights. I talked to him this week. I've asked him five times. You know, about his past, and this week it was less about his past, but more about how his past relates to this week, how his past relates to Rachel. Um, And you're right. Like, I'm kind of to the point now where, like, let's say he wins and he fights again. Like, I don't really see a need to ask him about it anymore, you know? And and, and I don't know. I mean, I I see public outrage and, and you know, how can you even give cover to this guy? You know, how do do you guys even give press to him? But – I don't know. It's 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 a tough spot because to me there's zero ways to defend what he and I guess we have to say allegedly he was convicted but it was overturned. But to what happened? I mean, you, you, there is zero defending it. But I've never really necessarily heard him say, you know, uh, I was done wrong by the NFL. I was done wrong by the legal system. I am the true victim here. I've, I've never heard him say that. But I think what people want to hear him say is, you know, I'm sorry. It was awful. I was this, but. I just don't – I mean, who's he supposed to apologize to? Like, if he made – I mean, he made this settlement behind the scenes with this with this young woman. Not that that will ever make it right. But, I mean, if she agreed to this, I mean, if he made if, – if, if, if he made amends with her, if he made amends with the legal system, he lost his career in professional football, he's reinvented himself, he's now clean and sober. I'm not saying he's, you know, let's, let's, let's put this man up for sainthood for what he's accomplished, but I, I just – I don't know at what point you're just supposed to and, and listen, even our own among our own staff at MMA Junkie, man, there's we have people on our staff that are like, F that guy. I don't want to write about him. I don't want to hear about him. I you know, that I can't even believe you're talking about him. I mean, we, we have that, you know, that they want to see him lose, you know. I mean, I'm not personally vested in seeing anyone lose, but we've got people that are like, F you know, F that guy. So I, I understand that, but I just don't at what point do you just step back and go let the guy fight and see what happens. Well, I, just to add on to your point of like he, you know, he's made it right by this, or at least he's made a settlement with this person. Both he and Rachel had nothing but glowing words to say about each other today. He actually told me that he wanted, he thinks Rachel's amazing for doing this, for fighting and proving herself as a role model to women in her situation, which isn't exactly the. It, it, um, he's a complex figure, right? You know, and I think sometimes really charismatic people are complex figures, very layered. That's those him saying that she's an amazing person for you know standing up for women who's in that situation. It's not the sort of words you expect to hear from a guy who's been accused of doing that very same thing right. um, as, but as you say like the issue itself it's almost hard to talk about now because you can only ask the guy so many times and you know yeah he's, a, he's an interesting guy it's hard to put in it's hard to put in words it is man I don't know the, the right or the wrong of it man I, I just 
you can't defend what happened. You can't, and nobody would ever try. You know, obviously, whatever happened wasn't good. I mean, whatever exactly it was that happened, I mean, resulting in the bruises and the stuff that we've seen on photos, whatever it was, it wasn't good. I mean, even if it was just, I don't know, I threw a rock at her, and that's what caused the bruises on her. Like, that ain't right, man. You shouldn't be throwing rocks at somebody. You know what I mean? Like, whatever happened, if it resulted in bruising on somebody, you messed up, man. That wasn't right. So, I, I, you you can't defend what he did, but it, I just I just don't understand at what point you move past it and you go, you know, I, I don't like that about this person. I don't respect that about this person. But I'm not saying I gotta love the guy, but he deserves to come out here and, and prove himself, I guess, and compete. Had he perhaps gone and tried a career in baseball or the mm. NHL or you know any other sport, any other kind of stick and ball sport, right? I don't perhaps think it would have got the attention it's getting, but because it's a combat sport, it's MMA, it's a violent sport, right? And the fact that he just smoked the dudes, and the fact that he's gone into the elite that this sport has to offer, fighting in the UFC is the pinnacle that this sport can give any professional fighter. Everything's just been amplified, right? And the fact that he's done it so quickly, this is not five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years removed. This is in, in a very short amount of time. He's just transitioned into a pro, pro, you know, footballer, into a pro MMA fighter. But I was speaking, I didn't get a chance to speak to him today at the um, the, the media day. Um, I think Ariel spoke to him and there was a pretty big, you know, scrum around him. But I did get a chance to speak to Alan Crowder, uh, his opponent, right. um, a little bit later on. And Crowder said that it was unethical of the UFC to to place him on this card, given what happened mm. to Rachel Ostovich. But he's aware of the media attention that Hardy is getting. I think unethical is a strong word. I do think it was just poor taste. Yeah. And again, you can put whatever kind of, I suppose, uh, I mean, these are, these are crowd as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm of not course. saying it's un- un- unethical. Um, but I think he kind of, kind of I suppose... Um, came back with the whole, but it's getting media attention. It's selling tickets. People are talking about this fight, which puts him in a good position. And he feels as though he might be the most supported fighter on the card <laughs> That's true. coming into Saturday night. No I think a lot of people are going to be in Crowder's corner hoping that he lands a right hook or a right hand sure. or an uppercut. Um, and so, you know, we'll see how the fight obviously plays out. Um, but... It's 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 weird how these things happen sometimes. It's the very first, you know, card in this new relationship with ESPN and you would think that this is the last thing from a PR standpoint, from a media standpoint, that the UFC want to have to deal with coming into this, you know, big hurrah kickoff with the with the ESPN, so true. right? Yeah. That's what the booking is so weird. It's That's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, and I agree with you. Why on the first one? Like, you just put it on the second that, one. That gives just you put it on the second that, one. That gives like your support to your theory that they probably just like. Oh shit! I yeah, think yeah, it's, like, it's, yeah. fucking mean to do that. <laughs> it probably just slipped under the radar. The ball started rolling, and they probably thought it may even look worse if then they pulled him after the fact, so right? True. Who knows what the thinking what was and behind the scenes? The the, the fact is he is fighting. Um, he faced the music today. He, you know, he he answered all the questions that the media gave him today. He didn't, you know, uh, just bounce after five or ten minutes or anything right. like that. He stuck around, answered all the questions, um, and I guess the proof will be what the fans, how the fans react to him. Mm. You know, once he actually makes his debut, oh, that's true. I'm interested how to see the that, fans in the arena react to him. We've only see it, you know, in the in the the UFC uh, in the tough gym. You exactly. know what I mean? Which is like not a crowd. It's friends and family exactly well, also say what you want sorry but say what you want as well I don't know about you guys but 
if I look at the comment section of some of my uh, content I put out this week about Greg Hardy, yeah, I'd say, you know, the majority of comments are saying, how can they give this guy a platform? But there's a lot of people currently in this country are really kind of bored of the media telling them how they should feel about certain things. And I'm seeing a lot of people being like, oh, dear, you know, why are you making a big deal out of it? You know, this and that and that. So it's a bit like John Jones. The guy can do everything bad under the sun and still people are just like, I'm excited to see this person in the flesh. And I, 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 I'm, like you say, I'm very interested to see how they actually react to him. I, I listen, I do think the guy has legitimate skills. I mean, he's uh, obviously he's an athletic freak, man. Yeah. To play in the NFL and to be successful in the NFL, you've got to be an athletic freak. And he he is a specimen. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I did have a chance to sit down and talk to him uh, one-on-one. And, uh, hey, some people say, F you, John, for playing this. And some people say, uh, do it. But uh, here's my conversation I have with Greg Hardy. Well, Greg, seems seven months ago we were talking to you. You hadn't even had a pro fight yet. We were trying to figure out if you really – knew what you were doing, if you were real at this, and now you're in the UFC. So what's what's the emotion like for you right now? I'm happy and elated, man. I'm ecstatic to be here, and, you know, emotions are high, feelings are high, it feels great. I know that you believe that you could be here, and, and I think people expected you to be here, but when you got the call, when it came time that, yes, it's done, what was that like for you? It felt great. You know, I got to go through the process and we've had all these talks about, you know, why are you going through all these fights? Why are you taking the developmental deal? And it just feels phenomenal to be able to know that I've earned it and I've worked my way up. So do you feel like even in that handful of fights, you prove that, you know, it's not just the name that's getting in the UFC, it's the fighter and the skill that's getting in the UFC? For sure. And, um, you know, a lot of people forget to mention the three free fights that I had, you know, traveling across the country, fighting on the circuits just like everybody else. So it's been a total of like six fights, grueling circuits, and uh, just kind of play, playing my part and doing my role. And, you know, like I said, it's made me appreciate the sport, and I'm just I'm, I'm appreciative to be here so much more so than I would have been, I believe. What's the feeling like, I wonder, compared to, like, say, before your NFL debut, right? I mean, that's 80,000 people in a stadium, but it's a team full of people, right? And, and this is a little bit smaller arena, but it's you. So give me an idea, like, how, how those compare. You know, um, I think it's all about the names and the, the legends that are built in these names, man. I get, to, I get to be one man going against another one man in the Barclay Center, man. And there's no football player that can say that. You know, they don't even get to touch foot in there unless they're paying. So this is an epic, iconic event for me. Since the beginning, you've known that when you got to this level, there was going to be controversy around you, right? But when you got announced, considering the things that happened to Rachel Ostevich and how they may connect you, was there any part of you that said, get me off this card, put me, put me somewhere else, I don't want to have to answer these questions, I don't want to have to deal with it. Was there any part of you that, that said, maybe somebody, can you put me on another card? You know, like I said a long time ago, uh, this is my journey. I don't shy away from it, and we all know I'm a company man, so if the boss says, get her done, we're gonna get her done. So like I said, I've just been more proud and appreciative for this opportunity and tried to look for the blessings and the, and the silver linings and all of this, and it's been, a, it's been a great opportunity. Co-main event, too. It's not just first fight of the night. I mean, co-main event on your first card, does that add responsibility? Does it add excitement? What does that mean to know that they're willing to put you in that slot right away? Uh, you know, and I think it's more the enamor that gets to everyone else more so than it does to me. This is more a homecoming for me. This is more of an opportunity for me to get back to where I was and to be in a place to I can be peaceful and enjoy what I've enjoyed for the last decade. We hear about octagon jitters. And I mean, fighters that have fought in pride, fighters that have fought, you know, Bella to wherever, around the world, they still say they get nervous when they walk into the UFC octagon for the first time. What do you think? Are, are you, you know, worried that you're gonna have some of those nerves on fight night? No, nah, I get anxious. I belong here. I live for this, so I just can't wait to get in there. You know, this is 
That's what I live for, man. Talk to me about Alan Crowder. What do you know about him when you got matched up with him? I mean, what do you think about the guy as an opponent? Uh, you know, he seems like a great guy. Uh, excited to get in there and get in, and get it to it with him. Um, I haven't really seen much of him other than his, his film and don't really know much about his story. But, you know, he's a UFC guy. It's my UFC opportunity, so it's just, it feels great to me, man. And like I said, I'm excited to throw that first punch. What do you see in the film? Do you see anything out of him that you haven't seen already that, that uh, you know, might present a challenge for you? You know, I see in him what I see in uh, all the other heavyweights in the division. He bleeds. Fair enough, fair enough. What's the goal here for you? I mean, you've had this incredible run of destruction to get here. I mean, do you feel like you got to go out and make that kind of statement in this fight? Or is this really about just getting a win, you know, proving however it matters, however it gets done, that you belong in the UFC? For me, you know, it's always been about success. Just getting the job done however it needs to get done. And I think that's been the mark I've wanted to leave and have been leaving on this fight game. And it's just so happened to come out as quick knockouts, you know. So however it gets there, it gets done for me. And hopefully it is a quick knockout. But just know that we're here all day long if he needs it. Talk to you about this Prince of War nickname. You didn't have that last time around. Where, who coined you with that? Where'd that come from? What's, what's the meaning behind it? It's a, I thought long and hard on it, man. Um, and the more I just dove into this world and enjoyed it and uh, got to talk about how it changed me and how it's the effects that it's had on my life, man, I, I realized I'm a, I'm a product of this, you know, and just coming from a place to where, you know, they've bred and built me to be the machine that I am today. I am sort of royalty in that aspect, so it's, but I am a child, you know, and I wanted people to understand that there are grown men in this league, and I do not fear them, but I understand that royalty comes with a price, and I have not paid that price yet, so the Prince of War. This is what I do, but I, am, I do have to earn it. Does it bother you that, you know, during your career, there's going to be people that choose to hate you no matter what? No matter how many wins you have, no matter how many good deeds you may put in the world, there's going to be people that choose to hate you and choose to doubt you. Does that, does that bother you knowing that you may have to deal with that for the rest of your career? Uh, you know, regardless of who you are and what you do, there are going to be people that hate you and you're going to have to deal with things. These are just my burdens and these are just my, uh, my downfalls. So it's what I have to deal with, man. It doesn't bother me. It's uh, something I want to face head on. You got to take part in that American Top Team dinner the other day. I wondered, you know, just a couple days out from your UFC debut to be surrounded by all these accomplished athletes, champions. What did that do for you? Motivation, brother. You talk about motivation, man. It's, I think it was like six belts in the, in the building, man. And just some of the most humble, chill, cool people I know holding, holding them gold straps over their shoulder and just being recognized as complete assassins is something that motivates you and boils your blood like nothing I've ever felt before, man. And even just being around, you know, Mr. Lambert and seeing his presence and, and seeing what he built, you know, it, uh, it established some kind of legacy in, in, in my understanding of this sport and this game. And it was, it's a be it was a beautiful moment, man. You say, man, you're not afraid of anybody, but you know, you know, you got stuff to do. Give me, give me, give me an idea. What does 2019 hold for you? What are the goals? I mean, you got here so fast. How quick do you go from here? I mean, honestly, at this point, brother, we're gonna fight. We're gonna look for that UFC heavyweight belt. We're gonna go the Zufa boxing title, the the WBC. We're gonna. I want to be the great American heavyweight. I want to be the fighting man, the, the fighting heavyweight of the world. American needs one of those, and I feel like I could be that guy for him. Could be a huge step on Saturday night. How do you see this thing going? I know you said you're ready for three rounds, but 
we haven't seen anything like that close to you getting into a third round. So when you play this thing out of your head, how does this go? I would say, man, especially for the future, the key words are it's all up to him. It's destruction from my side, man. I'm the prince of war. It's going to be war. All right, so that was Greg Hardy. By the way, teasing a little bit about uh, potentially boxing there at the end, I have had a chance to speak with his management, and they said, look, that's not an empty promise or an empty uh, boast. Like, we might like to do a little boxing down the road, and, um, you know, there could, could be some big things for him. So um, something they're throwing out there, teasing. I, I, I will say this. I, I want to throw this, and again, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm defending Greg Hardy, but, uh, you know, I took, a, I took the red-eye flight into New York on uh, Tuesday night. I got here about, uh, I think I landed a little bit before 6 at JFK, on Wednesday morning, took a took a uh, Uber, got here. Uh, obviously, my room wasn't ready at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, so I sat down on the third floor where the where the offices are and the meeting rooms are and all that. And uh, probably about I don't know about six forty-five, six fifty, a little bit before seven o'clock. Um, I'm on my computer catching up on email and stuff, and I I, I, I see this uh, very large person out of the corner of my eye, and I was like, it has to be Greg Hardy. And I looked up, and it was it was Greg Hardy. So it's before 7 o'clock in the morning. There's no UFC staff down there. There's no anybody down there. He was he was the first guy other than me to report. Um, he had an 8 o'clock start time uh, for his media and his photos and all that stuff. And the guy was there an hour before he was supposed to be there. Wow. You know, just to – I mean, everything you talk to the people around him is that, like – I mean, again, no one would not condemn what happened. But everybody says, look, man, he's – He's showing us all the right things, and he's doing all the right things. And that was just – I know that's a tiny little sliver of an observation, but to see somebody that, you know, was this NFL talent, whatever, and showing up an hour early, I don't know. I just thought I thought it was interesting. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. All right, uh, a lot of other good fights in this card, right? Again, we talked about the construction of this card, uh, kind of the way it was laid out. Uh, Gregor Gillespie versus Yancey Medeiros. Joseph Benavides versus Dustin Ortiz. Rachel Ostovich versus Paige Van Zandt. Carl Robinson versus Glover Teixeira. Round out your – Main card. Um, I gotta say, I'm, you know, and you talked, you touched on it earlier, Oscar, about you know the Rachel Ostovich page. I mean, that was the first fight that was announced for this card, right? I remember when some fans were like, "What a ridiculous main event that is!" And everybody's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 calm down." Nobody said it was the main event yet. Slow your roll, right? Um, but it is, it is. I mean, uh, and of course, it was. You know, so much was added to it by what happened to Rachel Ostovich, and. Um, unf- Unfortunate, definitely. I mean, she's gotten a ton of attention, which I guess that's a good thing. I mean, that's it seems like she's trying to parlay it. I mean, she was – of course, she got a lot of attention from meeting on the ground, but, I mean, I, I heard her doing radio interviews and phone interviews from, from all over the country. And I, I mean, I think that's a positive thing. Um, it's weird, right? Like, it's such an unfortunate it's such an unfortunate way to have attention drawn to you, but it seems like she's trying to make the best of it. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to her today about, you know, whether this was almost like a – I mean, I'm talking about the fight was a welcome distraction given what she's gonna have gone through in her personal life, and she she didn't want to call it a distraction, um, but she kind of almost kind of said, look, this is my job, this is what I do, this is right. my, this is how I earn a living, right? And you know, this is a massive opportunity for her. I mean, even before what happened to her, you know, this is already kind of booked. This is already kind of something that she was looking forward to, you know, being a part of the whole big uh, ESPN kickoff with the UFC, fighting Paige Van Zandt. She knows, hey, this is a massive opportunity, a lot of eyeballs, a lot of media attention, massive fight, big fight. Um, I have to give her credit, man. Like, the way she's kind of gone about her business, the way she's handled everything, she's answered all the questions. Um, like, who, 
I can't you know even come close to thinking what she's gone through mentally physically obviously um how she's um also healed from the injuries yeah. and then put her camp together trained for this fight let alone all the questions being asked of not only of her personal situation but then you throw in the Greg Hardy um situation into the mix um but man from all intents and purposes from what i've seen uh, today she's taking it in her stride whether this ends up being too much of a distraction where it affects her performance on Saturday night it was still remains to be seen because obviously Paige Van Zandt is also zeroed in on this fight. It's a massive opportunity for her. Um, but I have to say, I'm, I'm very, very impressed with uh, um, Ostovich's kind of demeanor this week. Here's, here's, I mean, the story of, of her, you know, dedication, her commitment, you know, which, you know, she told me that, uh, you know, she was, she was in the hospital and was like, I, you know, I have to do this, you know, and basically, you know, the fight was scratched without her knowing about it. Her management, her family made a decision and then she was like, no, hell no. I mean, we remember how the fight was off and it was back on and, you know, I mean, through that story of her saying, no, I must do this, you know, I must do it for myself, I must do it for other women. That is a phenomenal story. I do worry though, man. If it was a, a broken orbital, because they said they went and got like a second mm, opinion, yeah. and the second opinion was, you know, no, it's okay. I mean, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to focus on the negativity of the situation because the story is inspiring. Her perseverance, her, her, her courage is inspiring. But we're talking about a fist fight, you know what I mean? And yeah. if, if she really does have any lingering ramifications of a broken orbital, that could be awful. Well. First of all, I just want to say, adding to Sandy, I think all three of us spoke to Rachel this week. And one thing that I think non-media people might not realize is when you talk about her situation, how she has to face all these questions, not only is that hard to do, she's actually not a person who's particularly comfortable with media. Right. So not only does she have to answer these questions, she's doing that as someone who's not particularly used to this. Still learning. Yeah, she's still learning yeah. the attention. And so that just gives me even more, like, I'm even more over, like, impressed by her yeah. that she's just able to just, like... You can see she's physically. She's still like. I mean, personally, she's still reeling from this. You know, she's oh, fighting. She battles. She's been battling emotions. Uh, she's fighting in back, and out like every literally, day. literally fighting back tears as you're asking her questions, and she's just sitting there gritting her teeth and getting through it. Uh, unbelievably impressive woman. But as you said, John, physically, yeah, the reports aren't great. And then on top of that, if you speak to Paige, there's a woman who's coming back from an injury. She's pissed that she's been off for a long time, and while she is absolutely giving Ostovich the uh, kudos and respect that she deserves she's dialed in she's coming to win yeah. she's not coming here to be like I'm going to be part of your story she's Paige is, Paige is very focused true she's not going to feel sorry for her she's, she's not going to lay down and so. she said you know the, be the be best respect I can do is, is fight the, the best I can and you know we're going to do it and it's just like yeah uh, it's it's, yeah. it's intriguing, man. It's taken it's, on a, a completely different meaning. Uh, I will say, I believe it was the young Mike Bond who said yesterday, and I had not heard this, um, that uh, Rachel's corner is going to be her mom and her dad and her uncle. Wow. Like, wow. Yeah. As yeah. if you know. Oh, my God. I mean, okay, no. my God. <laughs> Powerful. So, uh, I, I know it was mom and dad, and I believe it was it was one other family member. I believe it was an uncle. I think it's, I was, it, I might, be a, it might be her right brother. Now, but well, her brother. So, it's, it's her family. I know it's, it's like her, her corner is going to be her, her family. So, um, intense stuff, man. So a, a fight that people were worried was the main event. I mean, it's still it's, it's an incredibly intriguing fight for so many reasons. Uh, another big fight, Gregor Gillespie versus Yancey Medeiros. Uh, guys, just want to ask you, you know, I, I, I really like this fight. Now, this is one of those under-the-radar fights. Hardcores, I think, will love this. I oh, mean, yeah. Yancey, Yancey had a great run at welterweight. Um, you know, had the loss last year. Then had an injury. Now he's dropping back down to lightweight. Um, 
says he feels better there. I think he's he's on a plant based diet now and doing those things. But uh, and, and I love Yancey. I mean, how do you Best not love guy. Yancey? Dude, just one of the greatest dudes you'll ever meet. Definitely got that Hawaiian vibe, you know, <laughs> coming around handing out macadamia nuts and stuff. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, but a scrapper. But then Gregor Gillespie, um, dude, I think he's the real deal, man. Just aggressive, relentless. Uh, the pace is incredible. Um, I'm excited for this fight. I think this is a big moment for Gregor. I didn't get a chance to talk to Gregor this week. Um, Interesting though, he did do MMA Junkie Radio, uh, and as soon as they they were they they asked him about Yancey, he's like, I don't talk about my opponent, I don't talk about that at all. Like I don't, you know, I'm only. It was interesting, you know, he just doesn't want to. So I don't know, you guys. Uh, I, I'm I've been high on Gregor for a while. Um, do, do you guys feel the same? And, and and how do you feel about this fight? Because I think it's a tough. I I I don't really know necessarily why Yancey. I feel like we're in this move of people moving up a division. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like not cutting weight anymore, and then all of a sudden Yancey goes three and one at welterweight and says, "I'm moving back down." I I, I don't know. I'm 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 intrigued by this one too. Well, I think uh, Gregor deserves the award for most uh, intense stare. At the way uh, the stare downs today, he was staring off into the abyss. I was gonna say, wait, wait, the stare down that I don't even I, I don't know if you meant the stare towards the, oh, the, or the stare, stare when he went back to the front. And yeah, he was yeah, like, just, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, that it was. was I actually normally I you know I take photos of everything and normally I load those photos. Like I'll sh- I'll load the face off photos, of course, and we publish those right away. And then when they do the face forward. I'll just I'll just shoot those and I'll load those for later, you know, in case we just want like a profile of somebody for. I, I I refused to load his because he just had like this, these, <laughs> these wild bug eyes, just crazy. Uh, yeah, so it was it was intense. I don't know what was going on there. Yeah, uh, but back to Yancey as well. You talk about I asked him about you know why why the move down. You know it's it unanimously seems that it's always uh, stressful and and he just said to me you know I'm full I'm happy and I'm full of aloha baby and uh, yeah it's 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 hard to be around that guy and not just crack up laughing and uh, you know I, I think. Styles makes fights, as the old expression yeah, goes, and I think we might be in for a. I think this is going to be a fun fight. I yeah. really do. Um, I just I worry that Gregor. I mean, I don't worry because I, again, I'm. A, I think Gregor is somebody that's flying under the radar big time, man. I think he's a legitimate contender at some point, point. Um, and maybe this is is his coming out party, so to speak. Uh, Yancey can scrap, uh, but Gregor's just got this like aggressive grinding grappling game, and uh, I, I, you know. I think it might be too much for Yancey, but I don't know. So do you, you, do you, I mean, do you feel like Gregor is, I mean, he's got this wonderful record. I mean, is he somebody that you see big things for in the future or, or am I hyping him up a little too much? No, I, I love it. Uh, I never go against an undefeated fighter, number one. Um, so I'm expecting him to win, but he's got a, kind of a tough, tough Hawaiian on his hands and Yancey Medeiros. He comes to scrap, man. Um, you know, outside of fight, you know, guys like Cerrone, you just know what you're going to get with Yancey Medeiros, right? Um, it's going to be a tough fight, but I do fancy Gillespie. And, and, I, and, I, and I like the fact that you got, you know, guys like Gillespie, you've got guys like Alex Hernandez, you know, it's a new year, it's a new relationship with the ESPN. Um, you know, let's see if we can get some new, you know, stars, so to speak, quote unquote, or just get some new blood infused into the UFC roster and product as we move on and Gillespie could be one of those guys it's funny man you know I hadn't even thought about until this moment but you know like Fox I'm sure like staff and producers and on-air reporters and stuff like you know after a while you're working with a sport like you kind of grab your guys right Right, like that's my guy that's my you know believe in them believe in you know that's one thing I hadn't thought about is that you're gonna have a whole fresh set of eyes looking at the sport who who might not have any preconceived notions over ah that guy's boring you know this guy has no personality this guy you know, I talked to him once and he didn't you know I didn't di-. you know what I mean like it, 
it really is kind of an interesting moment for people though, where they might be able to strike a chord with somebody that maybe they didn't register before. And uh, I don't know, that's intriguing. Uh, all right, I want to talk quickly about Joseph Benavides versus Dustin Ortiz. We we talked a, a lot about Joseph Benavides last week. Of course, we had the, the media scrum with him in Las Vegas. But Dustin Ortiz, um, we had a chance to talk to him today. And uh, Mike Bond was actually doing the interviews. I was the video man today. <laughs> uh, so he was doing the interviews. So you're going to hear... Uh, I, I want to play this audio because I, Mike has a good interview with Dustin. He talks a lot about um, what's going on uh, with his situation. He's on a nice run. Uh, you know, He's getting this rematch of a fight he lost, and now he feels like it's a good measuring stick to see what he's improved upon. But one of the things he talks about is, um, and, and I will say, I'll, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit. I did, And maybe Mike was already planning on asking this, but I did want Mike to ask about <laughs> what's it like to be the backup opponent to the backup fighter. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, I've been talking a lot lately about this backup fighter situation. It's not like a personal crusade or anything, but, like, I do believe something needs to be done about the way this they do this whole backup fighter thing. Like, it's, it's, it's great. It's great business sense for the UFC, but it's a horrible position to be in to, you know, be preparing for potentially three different opponents or, you know, let's say you're not booked for a fight, but you're booked with two different. As Joseph said, I didn't want to just go cut weight. You know what I mean? I wanted to, you know, get so it's a weird situation all the way around. But then I thought, well, what's it like to be the other guy in this <laughs> fight who they've already said if one of those guys misses weight, you're, you're, you know, you're going to lose your opponent because your other guy is going to go up and then you get nothing. So now you just became the backup fighter without even meaning to be the backup fighter. And so I don't know. It's a weird situation. So he talks about a lot of good things, but that was one thing I really want to touch on. I want you to hear because uh, Dustin, man, I think a guy that used to be really quiet, uh, used to be, I think, kind of reserved or whatever. Like, I think he's become a, a really good spokesman for himself and just kind of more open and aware. Uh, so uh, I wanted to hear Mike's conversation, slightly influenced by me, and I did jump in at one point to uh, to to hear to ask a question as well. So here is Dustin Ortiz. Uh, so Dustin, you're coming into this fight, I'd say, on the you know finest form of your career, three fight winning streak, your longest in the UFC. What has been clicking so well for you over this past you know, year or so? Um, man, I I would say just. Just what's been clicking. I mean, everything, everything really. It's the the experience that has been the biggest advantage. You know what I mean? Letting go of trying to be a certain person uh, inside and outside of the cage. You know what I mean? When you first get here, you you try to be that guy. You try to say all the right things and do all the right things, and uh, puts a lot of pressure on someone. You know, and and I know it it did me. I put a lot of pressure on myself. Because I hate losing. I hate losing. And uh, when it comes down to it, man, I found that I perform best when I just don't care. You know, I, obviously I care, but when I go out there and I'm just like, man, I'm going to do everything I can. I've trained hard for this. I belong here. I fought with the best of the best. Uh, won some, lost some. But I'm just going to do me. And, and that's really been the key to victory here lately, just doing me is that a change in mentality that came up after the last loss where you just kind of let things go and then you've had the results you want now yeah i believe that has a little bit to do with it uh i think just kind of getting older as well you know more mature uh and surrounding my people my, uh, myself with people that have been there done that you know and uh and then also with people that are hungry i can kind of be in the moment more and say man this guy he's been here he's fought he's got this advice this person here is up and coming and 
they're trying to do this and I'm kind of right in the middle where I'm I'm in the mix you know so I, I take two and two and put it together and it's just gotten me to uh, at peace feeling mindset, you know? Yeah, and I mean, there's not a better gauge to see how far you've come than doing this rematch, right? Obviously, that was early in your career, but like, this is a real way to test your development, how far things have come, right? Yeah, it, it's a, it's, it's an opportunity. It's a, it's a blessing to me, man. Like, just to have this, to fight a guy that I've already fought, to fight a guy that has been number one in 35 and in 25 his entire career, uh, man, I'm, I'm truly thankful for it. I'm truly thankful for it. But I, I, I don't need this particular fight to gauge how far I've come. I can look back and see. You know, you can look back and watch that fight in, uh, in my last three fights and say, wow, he's definitely evolved since then, you know. Uh, but I'm thankful for that fight because I did learn a lot and especially looking back on it now as who I am, I can definitely see that I've learned a lot, so. And when did you really come into the mix for this whole situation? Because at first, uh, Joseph was gonna fight Figueroa and then they said he was just gonna be a alternate for the title fight in case something came up and then you came in the next day and announced this fight because he said he still wanted to compete, he didn't just wanna cut weight and not fight. So when did you get the call? When did this develop for you? Yeah, nobody wants to do that. Nobody Nobody wants to just cut weight just because. Um, I don't know what the time difference was, but they I assumed that they called me right away because, excuse me, I just found out that his name again? Figuardo? Figuardo, yes. Uh, I, so I was told that he said that he wouldn't be able to make the weight because they moved the fight a week earlier and they called me right away and I was like, sign me up, you know? I'll make the weight in that amount of time. Uh, and then I saw that they were using his, him, Joseph, as a backup. So I was like, hold up, they just offered me the fight. I said yes, and now they're using him as a backup. And then they announced the fight, so I don't know where I came into the mix, but I'm assuming it was kind of a right-of-way deal. Uh, sign the contract, send it back, and here we are. So I'm interested, what's it like being in your position? Because you know, Joseph is being tapped as the alternate. If something happens this next 24 hours or you know, up until the fight night with uh, TJ or Henry, it seems like he'll be the guy to slide in, assuming they're willing to take the fight. That leaves you, you know, SOL, I guess, sitting on the sidelines. So uh, what do you do in that situation? No, like, how I'm do that you guy, yeah. cut weight. <laughs> I just was saying that nobody wants to be that guy. Uh, yeah, I, I assume that that's going to happen. Um, I'm not really sure the communication process with the UFC and the athletes at this point uh, everybody's asking me what's happening with the 25 division where do you stand what's happening and uh, my entire family is coming to this fight and they were even asking like hey so what happens if one of the guys don't make weight and I'm just like I'm showing up on the scale 125 no matter what you know so I assume that Joseph will step in for uh, one of the athletes if they don't make the weight and then I'm going to show up and collect a check.
it's yeah. not going to be the big one that I want, but it'll be something, you know, and I'm going to continue to fight and, and do what I got to do. It's interesting. You said you're going to show up at 125, not right. 126. Is, right. that, is that the idea? Because if something happens with Joseph or whatever, you want to be eligible as well? Absolutely. It's all about the opportunity and being ready for him. So uh, I'll be there 125 on the dot. Absolutely. Hey, I'll fight. I'll fight TJ. I'll fight Henry. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I, that's that's the kind of fighters that people want to see, you know, and that's the kind of fighter that I am. I haven't turned down any fights in the UFC. Maybe it asked for some more time. I took short fight, uh, short notice fights, you know, so I got what? The third most uh, UFC fights in flyweight history. And I wasn't the first guy here, you know, so uh, but I'm still here. So that's that says something, and uh, yeah, I'll fight. I'll fight any three of them. I'm ready. If anything happens, it's what they're paying me uh, to be here for. Perfect. And uh, you know, in this main event, Henry's saying he's here to save the flyweights. Uh, TJ's saying you know maybe he'll be taking the division out. Um, you've been asked about, like you said, a bunch of times leading up to this fight. What's kind of just your take on everything that's going on? I'm sure right now, you know, the only thing you can really control is winning your fight and then seeing how it goes from there. Is that just how you feel about it? Yeah, a little bit. I, every fight is a save the division fight. Every fight is save your career fight. Every fight is the most important fight of your career when you get into the UFC. You can't, you can't say uh, this isn't the most important one because it's the one now. You never know if you're going to have one after. So uh, I treat them all the same. I'm, I'm showing up very prepared, uh, going to give it my all, going to go out there, put on a show. I'm looking to knock out Joe in the first round just like I have my last couple fights. You know, I want to, I want another um, Ortiz statement in the history books. You know, most first round finishes in flyweight division, uh, most knockouts, most, most time in the ring, uh, the octagon, whatever I can get. You know, I, I'm always shooting for something. Uh, so if it's to save the division, quote unquote, yeah, of course I'm going to be here. I, I think that should be all the fighters. Uh, their thing is to to represent their weight class, represent themselves, uh, and represent the UFC. You know, so um, I think we're all doing that. It's just that's the that's what everybody wants to talk about right now, and so that's what's getting the highlight. But I think everybody's doing it. And just last thing, um, obviously you're in the best form of your career as we kind of started off the interview with. What do you make of Joseph at this point? He had the long injury layoff. He came back, you know, lost a close one to Sergio, rebounded in the last fight. Do you think he is still as good as he's ever been? Do you notice maybe due to injuries uh, a little bit of that edge taken off? What do you just make of him right now? Man, trying to get me to talk bad about Joseph on camera. What's up with that? Uh, no, I think, honestly, I think he's better than ever. It's just it's catching up with him. He has a he has a lot of years in this in this sport, and uh, and that wears on somebody. You know what I mean? It, it wears on uh, the mentality. It wears on the body, and and I, I feel that he's plateaued at the very highest level. You know what I mean? He's he's still growing, um, but it's it's very small compared to the amount that I'm growing right now because I, I, I'm still learning and my body is still coming into uh, the peak where I, f I feel that he's already at um, just based off of all the miles that he has on him you know what I mean it's it's far more than me I was watching Joe like right out of high school fighting the WEC you know what I mean and, and so uh, that wears on somebody and 
and so I, I feel that I will have the advantage going into this fight as a more uninjured, youthful fighter uh, and more experienced than I, than I was last time for sure. So he's got it, just not like I do. So that was Dustin Ortiz. Like I said, I, I've really enjoyed talking to him as of late, man. I, I really enjoy his insight. But uh, I like him saying, listen, I'm coming in at 125. I'm not coming in at 126. He's like, the hell with Joseph being the backup fighter. I'm going to be 125 just in case I'm going to be ready to fight. And, again, man, it's it's just a weird situation. I don't I don't hate on the UFC for what they're doing, but uh, I think i got to figure out something with that situation. All right, the, uh, the, the prelims. Quote unquote prelims on ESPN. Talk to me what you guys are most excited about, man. Join Calderwood versus Ariane Lipsky. Uh, people might not know Ariane Lipsky. She's got a great nickname, the Violence Queen. I believe it's now it's the Queen of Violence, but whatever. Uh, she's a, she's a great fighter. I think that fight's gonna be a lot of fun. Alonzo Minifield, who's a guy that uh, I've been watching. He comes through the Texas system, so uh, it's somebody that I've been watching for a long time. I'm excited for him fighting Vinicius Moreira, who, by the way, I don't know if you guys got a chance to talk to Vinicius Moreira. If you didn't, make sure you pay attention. His right ear has the worst. Or best, I guess, depending on how you look at it, cauliflower <laughs> ear I've ever seen. I mean, it is insane, right? And then his left ear is like perfectly clean. Wow. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't know if like he just made a conscious decision, or like he just always shoots in with his right ear on the side. I don't know what happens there, but uh, amazing there. Uh, and then Mario Batista versus Corey Sanhagen. Bummer there, of course. That was supposed to be John Lineker in there, which I mean, I was, I was, I was excited to see John Lineker and Corey Sanhagen kind of kick off. That would have been the first official ESPN fight, but um, out of those th three remaining prelim bouts, uh, Sandu, tell me which one uh, you're, you're kind of most geeked up for, I guess. It's Joanne Calderwood and uh, Ariane Lipsky, 100%. Um, so, just to give some insight, my kind of role through UFC.com uh, and kind of my editorial support there is funneled through uh, the UK. Right. Uh, so, nine times out of ten, more often than not, um, when there's, you know, going to be a, uh, a member of staff that interviews um, someone from the UK, it's going to be me, right? So I spoke. Still appreciate your accent better, right? Well, just well you know. <laughs> um, so I spoke to Joanne last week, and we gonna had a piece out on her. She genuinely feels like, even though this is Ariane Lipsky's debut, it's a high-profile fight, mm -hmm. and with the women's flyweight division still kind of evolving as things move forward, uh, a strong dominant finish. And she was, you know, very specific to say finish on Saturday night may give her a chance either at a title shot and jumping ahead of Jessica I mm. uh, and get that crack against Valentina Shevchenko or at very worst, maybe getting the Jessica I fight. And her yeah. kind of reasoning for that was, hey, look. Jessica Eyes had a great run, but they're all decisions. Right. The UFC pays attention when fighters finish fights, right? And again, going back to the whole, this is a big ESPN kickoff. She is fighting on ESPN Linear, which right. is huge. Um, that all being said, and, and, and you know, again, again, you know, Joanne's found a home at Syndicate MMA. She's found a home at the UFC PI. She's a different person. A large there. portion yeah, of yeah. my conversation with her and interview was based on how happy she is in Las Vegas. And I definitely got that sense from her. And again, she's flying at flyaway, which is the perfect weight class for her. That all being said, Ariane Lipsky is the real deal. You know, she is about that life, right? <laughs> and, you know, it, it, a, a little bit of a kind of tidbit in terms of how she got the nickname, the Violence Queen. I asked her about it earlier on today. 
it was the fans in Poland that gave it to her. If folks don't know, she was the KSW champion. Right. And through her performances for KSW, and don't forget, some of the shows that she's fought on had, what, 50, For, 60? Yeah, 40, 50,000 people. Ridiculous. Yep. So she's fought in high-profile events in front of a lot of people. She was very comfortable today during her media session, in my opinion. And, you know... Again, Dana White's strong, you know, big on her. Listen, Dana White doesn't throw out kind of like you know. You can tell when there's like a, you know, a UFC social media member in control <laughs> of Dana White's account throwing out fight week <laughs> every Monday, right? Yeah. And then there's always kind of like some genuine, and there's, it's usually about the Patriots or something like that, right? But. I got a sense that he's pumped about Ariane Lipsky. A lot of capital letters, a yeah. lot of exclamation yeah. marks. Yeah. Calling people a dork at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, you know, it's, it's never a bad thing if the if the UFC president is high on you, about you make your, about to make your debut. Um, that's I think that's going to be a fantastic fight. Definitely want to keep an eye on. I agree. And you know what's funny is uh, we've seen, you know, Oscar, you live out in Vegas now as well. I mean, we see a lot of JoJo out there. And – she definitely is. Uh, I mean, the confidence that she's gaining, oh, just how much she she's a different person in just the way she carries herself. And you are right, you know, um, man, we've seen it, right? I mean, Sandu, you talk about like you know Kamar Usman. Now, granted, there were a lot of other things happening behind the scenes, but Kamar Usman kind of jumping in front of Colby Covington because he was out there. Because I mean, I believe that right now Jessica eyes. She deserves can that I fight, just, right? Can I just say, if Joanne gets in front of Jessica I think Jessica I might kick down the door to Dana White's office oh, and actually yeah. murder this, the guy in oh, his office. Would, so I, but, but I will say, man, she goes on ESPN and, you know, let's, I mean, let's, the way JoJo fights, if she wins the fight, it's going to be it's going to be a stand-up brawl. It's going to be crazy. So it's going to be something that brings people to their feet. She's probably going to be a little bit covered in blood or whatever. And then she gets up there with her voice and her accent, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? And all of a sudden America starts going... We got. I mean, they've you know the people that have never even heard of her before. Like you know, so listen. It seems crazy to think that she could jump in front of just guy. And 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 you're right. I, I Dana, if you're listening right now, I would recommend you probably don't do that because yeah, Jessica I will car bomb you or something. Like you, know, you don't want to do that. But you. But I, I could at least see her walking into. I I could see her. You know, at least maybe if Valentina isn't. I mean, like I, I've seen a lot of pieces, uh, pictures of Valentina on the beach right now, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she's cool, chilling out for Getting a little that bit. Getting that Jessica fight, and then you do that number one contender fight because then that would be a, a, a real clear number one contender, right? Whereas yeah. now it's just kind of like, well, I guess Jessica's next. If you were that, you could say like, this is legit next. I, I mean, if she puts on a performance like that, I could see her doing well, it. Well, the funny thing about this fight is, I actually think both of these women have a chance here with a performance decent enough to become fan favorites out of nowhere. I get the feeling that Joanne's been like, the fans want to love her, but the, perhaps the for performances haven't been there to mm. back up their love for her. But everything you put out is overwhelmingly positive. Oh, she's great. Her accent's great. She's lovely. It's like people want to support her. And then I think Ariana Lipsky could come in here as the, the violence queen or the queen of violence. Look, Joanne and Jacek's not necessarily that perceived as that woman anymore. Right. People are ready for a new one. So do you talk to you talk to Ariane? We we didn't. Uh, I didn't speak to Ariane this week. Uh, uh, Fernanda did because obviously she's she's from Brazil. She speaks Portuguese, but did, you spoke to her in English, right? I, I heard her English is. Did you speak to her in English? Or did you have a translator? Because no, I heard her English is better. She had a translator, but we've all been in situations where we've interviewed fighters and they've got a translator. 
I didn't get the sense that she needed to have the question translated, which kind of told me she, she grasps she, it. She grasps it. She understands it. Um, although I think to give the best response possible, she had the translator kind of regurgitating it back to me. Okay, English. interesting. Because yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, listen. Not that it's a requirement to know English, but we we all we all get it, man. If you speak English, it helps your marketability. So, yeah. uh, all right. Well, listen. Uh, Fun card there on ESPN. I think it could be a lot of fun. Bummed that John Lineker is not going to be here, man. That would have been – what a phenomenal way to kick off on ESPN <laughs> that would have been. I was actually texting a couple of weeks back. with Once they kind of laid out the bout order, I was texting with John's manager, Alex Davis, of course, a good friend of ours. I was like, you realize Lineker – is going to be the first ever like live fight on ESPN. Like that's pretty sick, you and know. He, he's he like, would fight like it. Too. I know, right? <laughs> he's like, he's like, I didn't, I didn't realize that. No, man, that's great. So, uh, all right, cool. And then of course the prelims. It is weird. Okay, it's ESPN Plus. Then over to ESPN. Back on the ESPN Plus. Guys, anything? Uh, any fun stories or anything stand out to you? Dennis uh, Bermudez, T. Edwards, Jeff Neal, Bilal Muhammad, Chance Rekintour versus Kyle Stewart. Um, anything stand out to you? Any fun little nuggets to, to share with the audience? Nothing from the early prelims, but um, some as we do on the road yes, show, we, we have to confirm some news. And uh, while we were having a conversation, I did text Rachel Ostovich to find out who was going to be in, in her corner. Uh, and as Mike reported uh, yesterday, it's going to be her, her father, uh, Robert Ostovich, um, her mother, Deborah Ostovich, and her brother, Robert Ostovich, um, a.k.a. Robbie. So it's going to be a family affair My for Robert Ostovich. So that's a very interesting kind of, um, I suppose, angle um, yeah. as we kind of come into fight week now. Uh, especially, you know, if she wins, I'm sure she's going to be emotional. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, again, I don't know how qualified her, her family... cutting weight right now and I... you're texting her to the right... <laughs> Listen, and you have a relationship with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's working away. Right? Yeah, you see Sandu just driving yeah. that. Like, ah, oh, let me just let me oh, like, text it over I'm here. Just right you guys right are now. trying to have a podcast, and I'm over here. I'm going to confirm some news here, John. <laughs> but do you know that, we, tell you what, we were talking about Greg Hardy's fan reception. One thing I am really looking forward to is her, the fan reception she gets. She's going to get cheered. It's going to be fantastic. That's going to be a real moment. You know, I th- I, I'm look- that's going to be an emotional walk in that I'm, I'm actually excited to see. And I actually spoke to her about that. She, she said she this <laughs> during the official media day, Oscar. Thank you very much. She said, listen, I'm a very emotional person. She's like, Mo- probably I'm going to cry. You know, yeah, um, so whether she, yeah, on, on the walkout, if she wins, the, the release of what she's been through over the last couple of months, man, that, that fight is going to be just... A lot of emotions going into that fight, so we'll see how it all plays out. But That'll be interesting. I remember with her father and her mum and brother there. That's it. That's was intense. It, God. Was it? Was it? Cat's it's Cat. Yeah, her Kat. debut. It was it. Her de- I knew it was Cat, yeah, but her, was it her debut? It was her debut. I remember. I couldn't remember if it was her title fight or her debut, no, but I remembered debut. like she walked in and like like touched the whole cage and like tears coming down her eyes and stuff, oh, yeah. dude. Like it was. Uh, it was intense. That could that could be intense. All right. Well, listen. Uh, it is uh, the start of something big, man. Five years on ESPN. $1.5 billion? Damn. That's a lot of frosty beverages. It's a lot of frosty beverages, <laughs> man. subscribers to sign up. That's what it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to get out of what you can do is go to ESPN.com slash plus slash activate or whatever. Uh, no, listen, I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, th- again, this is just the first of many. 42 events this year, we already know. Uh, it, but I, I listen – just what we've already seen, man, the amount of coverage that ESPN has done. I, I, I think it's good for the sport, man. I, I really do. I think it's going to help out, and uh, and I'm excited for this card. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, in the meantime, we've got some frosty beverages to drink. So yeah, it's time to handle that. Everybody else, thanks for listening.